0: He'd been in prison for six months when I visited him. He said, I only have myself to blame. God gave me so many warning signs. God tried so hard to deliver me from evil. And I knew it was him speaking to me. But the worst side of me had more power. There have been so many times that someone's come in after the divorce and they would say, I only have myself to blame. I don't have God to blame. He gave me so many warning signs time and time and time again over the months and the years. But I just shut my ears to that. So many times an individual has lost a job not because the boss decided to let him go, but because of stuff that was happening there where he works. And he or she was particularly involved. And they would say, I cannot blame God. He gave me so many warning signs. He tried so hard to deliver me from evil. But I just kept going forward. For every individual... They do believe that God has forgiven their sins, consequences to pay on this earth. But at least they have that within their hearts, that God has forgiven their sins. His name was Pontius Pilate. He is the face we visit today. When we're going down the wrong path, whether it's us or whether it's Pilate, God has warning signs. When we pray, deliver us from evil, and even if we don't pray, deliver us from evil, because Pilate would never pray that prayer, God is already at work trying to deliver us from evil. He has barricades all over the place so you don't fall off the cliff. He has orange cones all over the place so you don't get into the accident. There are three specific ways that God throws up his warning signs to deliver us from evil. One is his word, his word, the Bible. How often has a person said, in the circumstances I talked about earlier, how often have they said, on that particular day there was a devotion sitting right in front of my face, And I read that devotion and I knew it was God speaking to me on that day through that devotion. Or I read a Bible verse and when I read the Bible verse I began to shudder. Because I knew God was speaking to me through that verse. I was sitting in church and a sermon was being preached and I knew that God was speaking to me. I actually got up during that sermon and I left Because God was so strongly speaking to me. Deliver us from evil, Lord. And there is a Bible written for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness, for reproof. Three reasons listed in 1 Timothy 3 as to why the Bible is written. And three of the four deal with the warning signs that God is trying to give us to deliver us from evil. The second thing he gives us to deliver us is the conscience. Wise old Solomon, he says the conscience is the lamp of God in the heart of man. It's the lamp of God, it's the word of God placed within the heart of man. You might not have your Bible with you when your conscience blares, but your conscience is connected to the Bible, and your conscience is literally God's word walking with you, sounding its alarm. Here's a a two-and-a-half-year-old child. Mama has said, don't eat any cookies. I'm gonna go outside for a minute. Don't eat any cookies. And when she comes back in, there's a cookie missing and the dog ate the cookie, right? Two-and-a-half-year-old has a conscience. He's struggling there. Do I eat this cookie or do I stay away from this cookie? And whether you're two-and-a-half years of age or an 18-year-old, in high school or a 21 year old in a fraternity or in your 40s or 60s or 80s the conscience never wears out part of you wishes it would but part of you understands that that conscience is the barricade that God is putting up so you do not enter this realm of evil and the third way that God delivers us from evil There will be a family member, courageous enough to say, you're on the wrong path. There will be some friend at work who will say, you're on the wrong path. There will be a total stranger that comes up to you and says, you're on the wrong path. And you won't know this person from Adam. But God has sent them and you're in total shock. How can this person know what's going on in my life? I don't know him at all. But God has sent him. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, if someone among you is sinning, you who are spiritual, go to them in a spirit of absolute humility and seek to correct them and thereby save them. First Corinthians ten twelve, Pastor Shaw just read it. No evil has overtaken you except what is common to man. God is faithful and just. He'll not allow evil to enter your life to such an extent that you could not escape it if you wanted to. And God Himself will make the way of escape so that you can be delivered from evil. Pilate, five warnings in 24 hours. And every warning that God sent, he shuddered a little bit, but then he kept going. The first warning, Mark 3, 1 through 5, the man with the atrophied hand, the laborer, the, the, the farmer, the carpenter, whatever he was, Hand injured in some accident, it's weakened, he can't use it. And he's standing there and Jesus heals him. Rome had spies all over the place, that's how they kept their empire in check. They spied on people. There was no trial, you were just uh, removed from planet earth. The Romans did not spy on the Sadducees and Herodians, they had them in their back pocket. But they spied on the Pharisees. Pontius Pilate always spying on the Pharisees. Pharisees were so angry at him, he had desecrated the temple. And he always kept an eye on his enemies, and his enemies were the Pharisees. Spies come back and say, most unusual thing happened today, Pilate. He said, what happened? He said, well, Jesus, this guy Jesus healed a man with a withered hand, and he was yelling at the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are yelling back, and we were standing real close to the Pharisees and they said these words, Pilate, they said this man must die. Pilate, he healed somebody, did some good, and they said he must die. And then we followed them and they went to the council chamber of the Herodians. And you know, Herod, that the Pharisees and the Herodians are mortal enemies. And they stayed in there for quite some time. And then they went to the council chambers of Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest. You know that they are Sadducees. So they went to the Herodians and they went to the Sadducees. And we cannot make any sense out of this. And in Pilate's mind and in his conscience, he said to himself, Something is terribly wrong here. Something does not seem right. That mortal enemies would become friends for one purpose. The death of the one who had done the healing. The first warning from our Lord to Pilate. Was there a second warning? Indeed there was. Pilate said, certainly this Jesus must be one hellacious individual. Surely he must have done something so incredibly wrong to have such anger on the part of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. Surely this lays on Jesus. And he sent his investigators out and they turned over every stone they could possibly turn over. And when they came back to Pilate, they did one of these things. They said, "Uh, Pilate, we don't understand this man has done nothing wrong. We talked to everyone we could possibly talk to, and, and we investigated every situation, and all that we could come up with is what the Bible itself said, this man goes about doing good. We cannot understand where the hatred has come from, because this man has done nothing wrong. And some hours later, when the chief priests and scribes and teachers of the law are standing in front of Pilate with Jesus next to them, Pilate said to them, This man has done nothing wrong. And then it says in Matthew 27, whether he said it verbally out loud or whether he kept it to himself, the Bible says, Pilate said internally it is out of envy and jealousy that they want him dead the investigators come back he's done nothing wrong Pilate says why do they want him dead and they say for no other reason than they are envious of the crowds that follow him God whispered a second time and for a second time, Pilate says, "Something is not right here. Something is terribly wrong. Does he stop? No. Does God come a third time? Yes. When he is standing there on trial, Matthew 27:12, when he's accused by the chief priests and the elders, Jesus gave no answer. Jesus gave no answer, he remained silent. Here's a criminal on trial for his life. He is absolutely innocent. Pilate practically begs him to give some testimony so that Pilate can use that to set him free. The Bible says he was amazed. That's a Greek word. He was amazed that an innocent man would not defend himself. It's unheard of. And for a third time, Pilate shudders, and he grows pale, and he says something not right here, something terribly wrong, that this innocent man will not defend himself. There is one gospel account where Pilate, so angry at Jesus, says to him, why don't you open your mouth? Don't you know that I have the power to save your life or to take it? And then Jesus spoke. Then Jesus spoke. He said, Pilate, you would have no power over me unless this power was given to you by God himself. And Pilate shuddered even more because now Jesus has brought Jehovah into the mix. Why didn't Jesus defend himself? Because he had to go to the cross. He had already had the issue six months earlier, Mount of Transfiguration. Do I have to go to the cross? Goes up that mountainside, here comes Moses. You have to go to the cross, Jesus. When I delivered the Israelites, that was a million people that were saved from Pharaoh. Pharaoh. When you go to the cross, it's going to be every human being ever born onto this earth who has faith in you. And you're battling not against Pharaoh, you're battling against Satan. You have to go to the cross. And here's Elijah, and Elijah said, Jesus, I defeated 850 prophets of Ashtoreth and Baal. I saved the lives of 7,000 in Israel. I defeated Ahab and Jezebel. But when you go to the cross, you're going to be battling Satan himself. And when you defeat him, all of mankind will be saved if they have faith in you. Jesus had already gone through the issue. Should I go to the cross or shouldn't I? Moses, Elijah, God himself, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when it gets to the crux moments, when it gets to the most crucial moment, and he's lying down there and he's, Sweating drops of blood upon his skin. There's one last shot at it. Satan leans heavily on him there. One more shot at this, Jesus. And Jesus says, there's some other way to do this, God. Let it happen some other way. But not my will, thine be done. Jesus had already had the discussion. He didn't need to have it with Pilate. He had to go to the cross. Revelation thirteen eight, First Timothy one nine and ten. It had been assigned to him from the beginning of time. Did God come a fourth time? Indeed, He did. Pastor Sauer read it. If He will not defend Himself, I'll defend Him, as the Pilate said, "I'll defend Him." Passover, why did they have a custom to let a prisoner go at Passover? Because the angel of death passed over the homes where the blood of the lamb was on the post and the lintels, and the firstborn in the homes of the Israelites did not die. During the Passover, they were delivered, and then at the Red Sea, they're delivered. And Pilate, knowing in Jewish history you cannot rule over the Jews without knowing their history, Pilate, knowing their history, had the custom in the 10 years that he was the governor, 26 to 36 AD. He had the custom to set free some prisoner. If Jesus won't deliver himself, I'll deliver him. I'll put the most notorious prisoner, Barabbas, and I'll put him next to Jesus and I'll say to the people, who do you want walking amongst you? Who do you want in your community? Who do you want set free? This notorious Barabbas, you want him walking your neighborhood? (laughs) Or you want Jesus walking your neighborhood, doing some more healing miracles? Who do you want set free? And the people, to the utter amazement of Pilate, they said, let Barabbas go free. And Pilate must have turned to his advisors and he just must have shaken his head and he must have shuddered. and He said, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Should I keep him locked up for another month and then let him go? They said, we want him crucified. And for a fourth time, his stomach flip-flops He gasped out loud, and he says, something is terribly wrong here. Did God come a fifth time? Yes. Who? His wife sends a messenger. She cannot come. There's a trial going on. Sends a messenger. Says to him, God's final attempt to save Pilate from so evil a disaster. His wife says, have nothing to do with this innocent man. I have had nightmares about him. Have nothing to do with this innocent man. Did not I say that God has three ways to deliver you from evil? His word The word was delivered to Pilate by Jesus. You would have no power over me except it's given to you by God. The conscience, Pilate's conscience five times was rocked to the core. And then did I not say that other people that God sends who have the courage to say to you, you're on the wrong path. His wife, says to him, you must let him go. Why did Pilate want him dead? Matthew 16, 26, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Pilate wanted the whole world. And the whole world was the governorship of Judea. Matthew twenty twenty six: whoever be first among you must be the servant of all others. Pilate would be the servant of no one. Pilate would not lose his title, his life, his power. He would not lose it for a carpenter's son from Nazareth. Rome was already looking at Pilate. The Jews were in an uproar because when he first came into power seven years earlier, he desecrated the temples. Sadducees could care less. They didn't believe in resurrection angels or spirit. They could care less. The Herodians could care less. The Pharisees cared deeply. He desecrated their temples. And you better believe that Julius Caesar, who told all his governors, just go in and keep peace, don't stir up any trouble. Pilate stirred up trouble immediately. Rome's eyes were on him. And in one of the gospels, it says, The people told him, John nineteen twelve, the only gospel account that mentions this. The scribes and Pharisees said to Pilate, if you do not do what we ask you to do, we will go to Caesar and we report to him what you have done. And that was it. He would not lose his power, his title, or his life over some carpenter's son. Pastor Schauer never preaches a sermon without tying us into the sermon. I never preach a sermon without us being tied in. If it's a sermon about God, then we're tied in to the power, love, and wisdom of God. All the miracles He did back then, He still does now in your life. If you got a red sea you're facing right now, the same God who opened up those red seas will open up yours. And if it's a story about Pilate or Jonah or David or Samson or Moses or Abraham or Simon Peter or the woman at the well or Judas Iscariot or the Pharisees or the Sadducees, it's not just a historical sermon that Pastor Sauer or I preach on those individuals. There is always a tie-in. What lesson from Pilate? Very simple. God will strive by all means in his power to deliver you from evil. He will do the most astonishing things to deliver you from evil. You and I fall. But you and I also many, many times stand up to that temptation... And by the grace of God, we win. No temptation overtaking you except what is common to man. God will make a way of escape so you can bear it. And He does it all the time. And you and I sit and say, Thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. But every once in a while, Satan wins. And God says, that's why my son went to the cross. So that when Satan wins, I can shower you with the blood of Christ. I can trample your sins under my feet. I can throw them into the depths of the sea. I can remove them as far as the east is from the west. It's never a pleasant sermon when Pastor Shaw or I preach about sin or temptation. It hits too close to home for so many. But for those here and those listening online, I believe as I prayed over this sermon this week, I prayed that there might be one person out of 1,500 who would listen. I prayed there'd be one person who said, Thank you, God, you send that message on this day to me and I'm done with the path of sin. 1 John 4.4 Everyone born of God has overcome the world because the one in you, God himself, is stronger than the one in the world. Pontius Pilate Something is not right here. Something is terribly wrong. In our Savior's name, amen. Let me have a prayer with you. Lord, we have free will. Pilate had free will. Simon Peter in the courtyard had free will. Jonah had free will. Noah, when he decided to build the ark, had free will. We all do. You will not force us to walk the path of righteousness. When we do, we are blessed. Our life's at peace. When we don't walk that path as Dallas Willard wrote in his book, we are in mud and quicksand. Our lives are half-truths and lies. There is no health there. Lord, season of Lent, temptation, Satan, evil, Mount Calvary. But the season of Lent is also all about the forgiveness and the power of God. The greatest sign of God's deliverance from evil. The cross that we gaze at every single weekend when we come to worship the cross of our Lord and Savior. Keep us close to you, Lord, and when the warning bells sound, may we, by your grace, be delivered from evil. In our Savior's name, amen.